because I always loved flowers, although I didn't know their names, but I, ever since I was little, I just marveled at the magic of flowers. And one day, someone took me to the flower market. I was completely blown away by the richness of the colors exuding out of the blooms. It was extraordinary. Hi, my name is Ellie Cody, and this is Manhattan Sideways. On today's episode, I speak with Bella Meyer of Fleur Bella. Here's what Betsy bober founder of Manhattan Sideways, had to say about this business. In 1991, my mom published a biography titled Marc Chagall, A Painter of Dreams. While doing her research on this world-renowned artist, she had the pleasure of meeting several of Chagall's relatives, including his granddaughter, Bella Meyer. I had heard stories about this fascinating woman, but had not had the opportunity to meet her myself. That is, until I stepped inside the enchanted flower shop, Florbella, while walking on 11th Street. I immediately phoned my mom to tell her of my discovery. Her response was that it made perfect sense that Bella would have chosen to go down this path. She went on to explain that Bella had grown up in France, sitting by her papa's side as he painted, and Chagall always had a beautiful bouquet of flowers nearby for inspiration. Clearly, he passed this love of nature and color to his beloved Bella. The shop is filled with magnificent florals and the fragrant smell wafting through the door as soon as you open it. However, it is the floor-to-ceiling bookcase, as well as a small bathtub and sink used to rinse the flowers that give this space its true charm. When her mom passed away, Bella had these items shipped to New York. Bella shared with us that it is these pieces from her childhood that takes her home every single day. Ellie and I could have sat for hours listening to Bella's stories of her love of nature, the arts, Marc Chagall, and her passion for making life just a bit more beautiful for herself and those around her. We hope that you too will be captivated by Bella Meyer and be motivated to visit her shop one day soon. My name is Bella Meyer, and I'm the founder of, and I guess, creative director of Florbella. And when did you open Florbella, and how? I started, and I never remember, I think I officially started in 2005, but out of my home. And very soon, the endeavor became too big to stay at home for a place which would be accessible to the outside world. Because what I actually really liked was the idea to create an environment which would be hopefully enchanting. And came upon this storefront. I had, silly me, absolutely no clue that having a storefront, which I intended and we have, that it also needed to cater to retail. In regards to what I'm doing now and, and having the flower studio, it reminds me of the times when, when we as little children would go with my mother to go and visit my grandfather, who, who then lived in south of France. So we'd drive towards him, and my mother would always even if we had just been there the day before, would always village square and buy flowers. 
very simple, big bunch of flowers and would bring it to him. They were always put on the very large table. He looked at them. He marveled. And he said, oh, they're so beautiful. I, I will never be able to paint them. It, he was so taken by the beauty of these flowers. He was in awe. It's like a sign coming from outside. He was not a painter who would go and paint flowers outside, or he would go and take his easel and paint flowers outside. No, they had to be brought to him. It was like this, this gesture of giving, which made it even more beautiful because it was this surprising moment of giving. And that's how I grew up. It's this moment of giving something. My mother would always give flowers to someone and then people would same with my grandfather he would be in awe and look at them he would look at us and he would be in awe about us I don't really know how he looked at us but then he had to touch us he had to touch my fingers he had to touch us to try to understand us more he had to be in physical contact with what he marveled at, whether it, it was us, little, smiling, well-behaved little children, to sort of understand what we were about, or the flowers, he would sort of reach towards them. He maybe didn't go all the way, but it's, he had to be in contact with them. It was quite powerful. And you grew up and got your university degree in Paris, right? You got yes. your degree at the Sorbonne? Yes. Um, what made you come to New York? I was working on my PhD in Paris in medieval art history. Apparently nothing to do with having a flower studio. But I was intrigued by New York. I loved contemporary art also, and I wanted to discover the myth of New York. It was important to me. And so I left, I think, for a month and had some friends I could stay with in New York and in Chicago and Los Angeles, you know, the different places. But I completely fell in love with the energy of New York. I loved the energy. That was in 79. I loved the energy which you could feel, this haven of multicultures. Anything was possible and everything was possible as long as you had the strength. And people you saw in the streets had this energy about them, carried this energy, marveled at it and looked at it for 30 years. But in between, I also finished my... PhD eventually. In between, I worked at the cultural services of the French embassy and took care of the arts there. They were very sort of an important entity to help French art to be brought to New York. After I finished my PhD and I had been teaching in Paris before, I thought that I actually really wanted to do costume design. So I learned more about it. In the meantime, I was married, I was pregnant, and I had my wonderful daughter, and I thought I could do costume designs and create costumes 
while she was a little baby, and then I realized that that was actually quite difficult. So I changed this desire into puppetry, and I started making puppets and creating stories and spent several years doing puppetry work and telling stories with puppets which I made not only for my daughter and then for my son who came two years later but also for their community of friends and for schools and then other schools and then for adults and I thought I would do that all my life because I really loved that medium and also to be able to tell a story. The puppets I made were quite colorful. And maybe what attracted me in it was being in relationship with a color carried by some character to transmit a message of wonderment to the audience. And so I started to do bigger events which tended to be much more changing a space around. And then sort of quite harmoniously went into flowers. At that point, I knew that the way the flowers talked to me with their colors were so important, and I had to use them. There was no room anymore for me to try to understand a color trying to mixing pigments or trying to use any kind of medium to coax out the color I wanted to see because they had it. It took me still another 10 years to have the courage to open a business. I mean, that was really the falling in love with the magic of flowers. So when you talk about the flower market, what flower market exactly are you talking about, I'm I'm talking about wholesale New York City flower market, which at this point is still on 28th Street on the west side. It has become much smaller. Each year we don't know if it's still going to exist because developers have built a number of hotels in that very street where most of the wholesalers are Mm, we don't know they have ideas sometimes to all together go up to Queens or the Bronx and then the plans fall apart and I I don't know really what's going to happen I do hope that it survives I remember I think it was last summer Betsy took me over there just to show Mm -hmm. me it's amazing it's like a jungle in the middle of the city if you go there at the right time of day yeah it's beautiful And tell me more about your relationship to color, because fine art and visual arts, it runs in the family a bit, so you must have grown up with an appreciation for that. Maybe tell me more about your childhood and background with that. It's funny that you actually ask me. No one ever asked me about what triggered my quite insane passion for colors. But I guess it's not only that I always heard about it ever since I'm little. And actually, I grew up in Switzerland where you have, you go home from school, you go home and have lunch at home. That was a very normal, funny thing to do at that time. My father was director of the big museum, Kunstmuseum, there. My mother was the daughter of 
Mach Chagall. And so every lunch around a table, they would talk about art. They would talk a lot about her father. She would call him Papa, and Papa is this, and he did this today, and he did this, because she was in contact with him. She would call him and be on the phone with him at least once a day. They were very close. And in the house, we grew up with Chagall paintings. Chagall was my grandfather. He was a painter, and there were beautiful colors, but I didn't perceive the colors, really. I painted also myself, but I just loved painting. And one of the most wonderful gifts my mother gave me when I was a young adolescent, she gave me my first oil paint box. And that was, that was so wonderful. She was quite strict about how colors could be put together or what colors could be put together. So I realized that for her, colors were very important. We didn't talk about it, but I remember once we had an argument. She thought black and blue would be very beautiful together. I thought that's what I had learned in school, I guess. That's, oh, no, you can't put black and blue together. But then I looked and I said, oh, yes, it's extraordinary. I have no idea if one or the other reflects a theory, a color theory of one or the other, because I never really understood the color theories. But I realized that there was something very, very strong about it. And I love talking to my grandfather about, maybe not about colors, but about the way he painted And I shouldn't say we talked together because he just talked. I was way too shy to ask him questions. So I would just take in everything he would tell uh, tell me. I was, like, (laughs) drooling. (laughs) But every word he said was very important to me because he early on became a kind of a guide to me. I did not know that he was famous or even though we participated in some big ceremonies, but I thought that happens maybe to every Mm. grandfather. I don't know, because he's a grandfather. Maybe I was also particularly naive. So art was always around. Art seemed to be very important. Art was a way to express yourself. It was wonderful because my mother would take us to museums wherever we were. It was a wonderful childhood for me growing up because the visual world is a very, very important one to me. That being said, you mentioned that the flower market caught your attention and you sort of fell in love with it, but color can be integrated almost anywhere. So Mm. why, why a flower shop? Because at that time, or growing up, I would always paint. And the paint was never vibrant enough. Somehow, I didn't succeed in having colors vibrate. And once I had this experience diving, and you suddenly noticed colors which you have never 
seen. You know they exist, but you have never really seen them for real. At some point in my life, I I thought I would become a deep-sea diver because of the colors you would see. So seeing the flowers, always loving flowers, small flowers, with their ephemeral nature, their delicacy, their innocence. Maybe that just reminded me of something I was always searching. And I still, today, when I look at a flower, I'm amazed. I'm amazed about the possibilities, about this gift of nature, forever surprising. Many of the words that you mentioned, the words that you used to describe flowers, are not words that I would use ever to describe New York. But there's, there is something beautiful about New York. Obviously, there are a lot of beautiful yeah. things about New York. The flowers that you bring and the work that you do here brings something new to the city, to a very gray city. Do you feel that people appreciate that? Well, first, I'm, I'm very thankful to you that you say that because that indeed is what I hope to bring something. Maybe not something new, but to bring something to the city. It's to be able to give this moment of joy, this moment of little peace through beauty to the people. I saw on your Instagram that you recently did something similar, not a chair, but that you put little (laughs) bags on telephone posts and electrical posts and let people take flowers from there. I thought that was really beautiful. (laughs) Did you feel like that went... Well, it looked like people were incredibly happy. They were so happy. I mean, I thought, oh, in the summer, everybody goes, has a little more time. Most of them have a little more time to go walk in the park or go out of the city. And people were so happy. And we even wheeled out a big moss lady, and she gave flowers out too, which was nice. The moss people are somewhat of a signature. Where did they start? Where did they come from? I always loved moss. One of these things, and more and more so, walking in the woods, it's something which each time I I see spread of moss, wherever it is, I want to thank heaven or... it's It's like a spiritual gesture which came down. And I think the very first time I did very big moss figure was for Brooklyn Academy of Music, BEM, when they were showing Winter's Tale. So they had a big gala. They used to do many more galas, which was really fun. They had a dinner, a big dinner on stage, which was a wonderful thing to celebrate with them, with our decor. Then they, the guests went to see Winter's Tale, and then they came back to the other stage, to this stage where the dinner was, and it was transformed into the royal garden of the Winter's Tale. And there they discovered this huge, huge figure. It was Hermione coming back to life. And that was like an impulse. I had to do her out of moss because, for me, she was growing back from the earth in its most voluptuous of ways, lively and beautiful of ways. And so that's the very first figure 
I did them. She was taller than this, 15 feet or something, uh, which worked well there because they have all kinds of systems how to put the pieces up. Later on, I did other sculptures for different venues, different places. And the one which I have left is the what I call the Lady Moss, which was for a dinner for a horticultural society where they invite designers to come and do centerpieces. And they still had themes at that time. So that year, this theme was fashion. I said, oh my goodness, fashion? What am I going to do? I don't know what's fashionable now. And, so. and then I said, oh no, fashion of the earth. What's the most extraordinary cloak fashion had ever invented that was through nature, moss. So I created her. She was in the center of the table and her gown went down, was the tablecloth and went down. I love her. Yeah, so I think it's very interesting that you moved to these moss sculptures since we talked about how you had this love of puppetry and color and emotion there and um, sort of theatricality in the same way as exists with the moss sculptures. That's very interesting. I never thought about that. Thank you. Yes, it's, it's sort of the same love of creating something, of bringing something to life with the help of nature, moss, for instance, with moss, bringing it to life and presenting it to the world in a surprising way. There's always this element of wanting to surprising people with something beautiful. And it's where I love modeling and sculpting. That also comes through in the more conservative flower arrangements. I would love to hear more about the process of creating your arrangements. And when you have a client who comes to you with an event or an idea, what happens next? I freak out. I'm sure I will never be able to answer and respond to the request of the client. Sometimes there are immediately ideas coming, but I have to draw. I have to draw the... Ideas, especially if it's for an event. It's with drawing that I see, that I can think. And then talk about it with the clients and trying to figure out if I understood their vision, if I understood their desire or hopes, and try to juggle with their ideas and trying to best understand and translate whatever they hope for through flowers. Have there been any arrangements that you think have reflected your client particularly well that stick in your mind that you maybe are very proud of? I do come back to theater, and BAM has been a most exciting client and place to work with and for because each event, whether it was a small dinner or opening party or big gala, I was always allowed to think about the flower decor a little bit like as if I was a costume designer, to try to celebrate 
their theater piece or music performance or dance celebrated even further through flowers. So there are there's BAM, there's signature theater. That's most exciting for me, as well as art institutions, galleries, museums, because when they let me respond to the artwork, I'm in heaven. How do your clients find you? How do they find out about you? I really don't know. I mean, myself, I have been trying to reach out to different institutions, but it's really people see, either seeing an arrangement they get or seeing an event they do. We started also Instagram a few years ago, which is still new to me. <laughs> but I think thanks to the efforts we are doing through social media, people are finding us. And there are lots of people who just walk by, even though it's a side street, they walk by and they discover us, which is still my favorite mm-hmm. way of going about. It's an incredible space to just discover in New York because you would never expect this to exist if you haven't been in here. So just to describe for people listening... When you walk in, you're surrounded by these old wooden bookshelves, right, Mm -hmm. that just have books and trinkets and beautiful things on them. And there are plants and branches hanging from the ceiling and the walls and these old industrial lights and then the big work table in the center that is just covered with flowers and things to work with for the arrangements. So I can imagine that it would be nice for you to be on the other side of that to see someone walk into that and just get to be surprised and, and yes. get to experience that. Yeah, and the smell is amazing as well, yeah. <laughs> oh, just now, today there was someone at the flower market gave us a rose to try, which they tried to bring in. Oh, it smells so good. You want to actually gobble it up. <laughs> it smells so good. <laughs> I'm not going to use them. I wish that we could sell it or give it to someone I I don't know but it's extraordinary this place for me is very much seeing, discovering touching and smelling for me these are the senses which are most important I have a hard time really transforming them into words so to have someone walk in here and say wow is the biggest gift to me because that's what I can give. I have few words I can give, but I can give this moment of environment. comes from deep inside me, from wherever I come from, I guess. I also noticed that the kinds of flowers that you have here tend to look, they have a different look from a lot of other flower shops that tend to use maybe artificial coloring or I'm not really sure what the difference is but maybe you can tell me why it is that your flowers look so different from so many other flower shops well today when we go to the market to get flowers it's either for a specific event or for the storefront for people to buy and fall in love with flowers so if I go to the market you will always get some flowers which have 
round petals, which speak for themselves. And I wish we could just show one flower. Look how it is. And and smell it. Another designer of our team goes to the market. There will be different kinds of flowers. It's interesting to see how each person is attracted to different flowers. And that's what's important to me, is that we share what we love. And so it's never going to be a full selection of flowers. It's just going to be few moments which we fell in love with. When I go to the market, I will not buy dyed flowers. I have a big problem with them. I, I, just, I don't like it. You wouldn't find them. Yeah, I, I, I can tell. I can, like, I can tell when I walk in that it, it all feels very natural. And it's, it doesn't feel so much like there's been human intervention. You know, it's just you're sort of taking it and mm-hmm. showcasing it. And then, of yeah. course, the arrangements show more of your like internal process although the the growers have worked a lot to give the flower the best of performance i have no clue how they do it but it's amazing and do you have relationships with particular growers we start we want to get direct relationship with some growers because there are more and more local growers and it will be wonderful to be able to work just with local growers for the moment I know some which I meet through the farmers market but then they also sell through the flower market and we don't need a big amount of flowers so in a way prefer to support the flower market as long as we can even if they go to the same local growers which we might go directly it's trying to help that industry also even if we do it in a, on a very minimal basis especially knowing that your employees can go to the market and pick flowers themselves can you tell me more about how you handle hiring and how you choose the people who work in the shop with you they just come to I <laughs> And then I begged them never to leave. (laughs) I mean, I'm very lucky because the designers came at one time or the other and stay here for quite a while until they decide to go discover other adventures. And um, it's very important to me that they feel good, and which is not always the case. And because I am a bit controlling apparently I hear (laughs) because I do have a certain vision when I see an arrangement which reminds me a little too much of other things I've seen in other places but that I don't understand why it is that way because I cannot read the story into it I will stop the designers and ask this most incorrect question apparently of well why are you doing this essentially trying to say I don't like this but I need I need to understand where you're going actually I really respect very much what each of them bring and I know each of them have very different ways of telling their stories my wish and dream would be that we can all do big things together but it's it's hard 
everybody's bringing their best and we have a wonderful coordinator now who's a designer herself and so she understands and thank goodness the office is taken care of I want to say we're sort of like a small family with its pros and cons (laughs) yeah but I think we are a good team what does your daily routine look like I wish I had a routine I just can't have that rhythm but in a way every day is different I also spend quite a bit of time working or doing research on my grandfather so there are times when I get very sidetracked by focusing on writing on my grandfather on certain aspects and then other times when I'm completely focused on Chagall, I get very sidetracked because, oh, yes, there is this event or that event happening. But all that is possible because my team is on top of taking care of all the retail and some of the events, which is great. Can I ask if you have any specific projects that you're working on right now? Are you working on a book? Mm-hmm. On my grandfather? No, no, not on a book. No, no. There are some extraordinary books which came yeah. out recently. No, no, no. Right now I'm writing a small article for an exhibition which is going to be in Moscow. The curator asked my sister and me each to write a small text. And and I was saying, but I hadn't really nothing to do with preparing the show, which is true. It's mostly my sister who takes care of everything. She said maybe you could write something about Chagall as a painter. She had some other ideas. So I was starting to think about it. So I'm writing about this. Essentially about his passionate desire to express himself. To express himself and to share what he sees. Because he sees so much. He sees all the time. When he sees, he wants to celebrate what he sees. How can he do that? And then as soon as he discovered how to draw, he draws constantly and incessantly. So that's what I'm talking about. It's funny because my mother spoke Russian. She grew up speaking Russian and she always speaks, she always spoke Russian to her father, that was something she wanted to keep for herself. She never, she never taught us Russian. And so I learned Russian in, when I was a student in Paris and recognized all the words which I always heard. So it wasn't very difficult for me to, to gobble it up, but I forgot it just as fast. A couple of the really beautiful aspects of the shop are the bookshelves at the front, which we spoke about a little bit, and then the old bathtub she used to wash the flowers. Can you tell me about where you got those and what they add to the space? I'm so happy that you discovered the bathtub. The bookshelves is maybe a little more prominent. They both come from my childhood home. My mother got this huge bookshelf for my father, for his office. He had hundreds, thousands of books. I grew up with 
lots of paintings with also more books. Afterwards, when she moved back to Paris, she brought this bookshelf with her. It was so mysterious to me. I had to bring it. We had to empty the house where we grew up and where she lived. So it was a very good moment to bring this bookshelf. And magically, it fit perfectly. And it's still the most... It feels so familiar. I know, I know it. It's warm. It, it's inviting. That's how I feel it. Now, the bathtub is where I would always say my sister and I, but probably my brother too, had our first bath when we were very little. And it's a very important bathtub. It's a, how you call in in French you call it un sabot, like a boot. And it was this, the old sitting bathtubs, which were very common in Paris. And I loved it. Absolutely had to bring it. So what am I going to use? I'm not going to uh, offer people to take a bath in in it. <laughs> so it became the perfect place to give bath and showers to uh, our floor. So it's great. I would like to hear what some of the biggest challenges have been in owning your business. It's hard to own a business. It's hard to own a business because... That means you have to make money. You have to make money. If you have work you and you can't do it all by yourself, so you have employees. So what is hard is to keep the business going because ultimately the most important thing as a business is to be able to pay the employees. I didn't grow up in a business world. I never learned about business. I try to learn about it. My brain just doesn't understand any of it or little of it. So this has been the most challenging for me to see how do you make this, the business sustain itself. And it's a everyday challenge. If I would listen to my team members always, it would go much better. But then I, I decide, oh, no, we have to do this and that. and <laughs> So that's really hard. Do you have any tips for someone who might want to start their own small business, his or her own small business in the city? I would say the most important thing is that if you want to make a business, do it because you really want to do it, that, that it's your passion. Whether it's your passion for whatever you want to bring to the world, or if it's just a passion to make money that exists soon, then you're probably going to be successful, for sure. It's really to try to do something which you love because life is not that long. It's actually short. And it's worth going through the big effort to create a business if you can give something to the world. And then our last question is if there's anything that we can communicate for you that you would like for people to know about you or your business that you feel people don't already know. I don't know if people have really what they say or what they see or feel, but for me it's so important to be able to 
share beauty and the belief and the, the hope in nature, the belief that we all, we are part of it and to give that gift of reminding us humans that, that we exist in the most humble of, of ways, to give moments of joy and peace. Thanks so much for listening. My name's Ellie, and this has been a podcast by Manhattan Sideways. If you'd like to learn more about Fleur Bella or about the thousands of other small businesses on the side streets of Manhattan, be sure to check out our website, www.sideways.nyc. Follow us on Facebook, Manhattan Sideways, and on Instagram and Twitter, at NY Sideways. Until next time.